Good morning, everybody. Uh, it's a pleasure to be with you again. My name is um, Matthew Thomas. I'm a student at ADC. I always get uh, nervous when it gets close to the end of the morning, the beginning of the afternoon. So I'm still safe to say good morning to you all. But it's a pleasure to be here. I also serve as uh, the associate year pastor at Deepwater Church that you see in the back. And so I oversee um, multi-site and multi-ethnic ministry within our church context. And also I'm the site pastor of our Dartmouth location. That's actually where I am right now uh, on the stage of where we do our gatherings on Sunday morning in Dartmouth. Uh, we actually meet in the hall of St. Of Saint Paul's Catholic Church on Windmill uh, Road, Windmill and Jameson, if you're familiar with uh, Dartmouth in any way. It's kind of under the McDonald Bridge is where we're located, but I'm super excited to be here with you. I just got out of class, ethics class uh, with, with Anna and I'm really enjoying that, but it's great to be with you. I, I put a lot of intentionality and effort into the presentation. Uh, I took Stewart's preaching class last year and we spent a lot of time uh, grilling each other and giving feedback about trying to present uh, the artistry and just the performance aspect, not in terms of trying to uh, move a crowd or trying to uh, prove something, but just just really taking the art of preaching serious in the presentation of it. And so, uh, um, again, just wanted to kind of start with a little bit of introduction of, of who I am. Uh, I've been working on my Master's of Divinity for a long time, and I thank you to all my professors who've been so gracefully patient with me <laughs> many times that I'm, I'm get, coming to the end, which I'm super excited about. Uh, but I, I do want to get into our message for today. I think it's a very important um, message that I want to share with you, and I, and I think, and I want to preface this, that it's going to be a challenging word to hear and to consider. And so I just want to give you kind of some expectations of what to anticipate as we work through uh, what God wants to say to us. But before we get into the message, I just want to begin with a, with a quick word of prayer. So let's pray together. Father in heaven, we just give thanks for this opportunity to, to gather, to seek you, to be encouraged by your word. And God, we pray that our hearts would be good soil to receive what it is you want to say to us. God, we are opening, we're open to the challenge and the conviction of your Holy Spirit. God, we, we want to know more of what it means to be uh, your new humanity reconciled, not only to you, but to one another. And so God, just uh, reveal yourself in our midst today. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. And so uh, back in 2020, um, following the, the murder of George Floyd and the subsequent kind of racial revolution, if you will, or just our, our consciousness and society being open to this idea of, of racial injustice that exists in our world. Uh, I was asked to speak on a podcast, uh, particularly around the issue of racial injustice. And it was, it was very, I think, helpful. It was a great experience just to speak on these uh, issues. And at that time, had a lot of opportunity to speak uh, about these things that uh, affect me personally, but also something that I'm passionate about speaking on. And um, I, there was a particular segment of the podcast where we were talking about systemic racism. racism and I shared a few uh, thoughts in, in response to the question that was asked on that subject. And later on that day after the podcast aired and people had a chance to listen to it, I received a Facebook message from a member of my church who was a, a white brother. And uh, he, he really pushed back aggressive, like hard aggressively to something I said on the po podcast, particularly around systemic 
racism and um, the timing and the means and the tone and just what this uh, member had said in terms of how they approached me was very challenging. The, the, the approach was very aggressive and insensitive and I would say inappropriate as uh, he, he tried to engage with me, not in so much a, a healthy constructive dialogue, but really venting his strong opinion on the things that I said. And I was deeply uh, hurt by this experience that I, I interpreted as very much racially charged. And it felt like uh, someone was pouring salt in an already open uh, racial wound that I was experiencing. And it, and it triggered some real just racial resentment that I had in my heart, particularly to, towards this person, but also incidents that have happened in my life uh, that, that were racially motivated. And it just kind of revealed that even in my own heart, I was harboring uh, racism. I felt like, you know, am I even safe and welcome at, at this church that at that time I was the acting lead pastor of the ch church where I'm, I'm at now at Deepwater. And it was just, I, it was just a very emotional time that I was going through. And, and one of the questions I was asking myself is, is can the church actually be reconciled across racial lines? Uh, if we are truly one in Christ, then why do, do we still hold onto stereotypes and prejudices uh, from for people that are, are different from us? Why is this so prevalent still? Well, I think theologically, the answer to this question is yes. At its core, the gospel message is one of reconciliation. Through Christ's atoning work on the cross, we have been restored and reconciled back into right relationship with God. And in 2 Corinthians 5, we, we have been given the message and the ministry of reconciliation. Ephesians chapter 2 speaks of a new humanity where Christ tore down the dividing wall of hostility between Jews and Gentiles. Therefore, in Christ, we, we are not only reconciled to God, but also to one another. And we can find unity in our, in our oneness as, as being part of the body of Christ, regardless of, of what ethnicity you are, your background or your socioeconomic status or gender or what have you, we all are called to come together as one. And we see this even in the early church in the, in the New Testament writings with the birth of the spirit-filled church in Acts 2 to the church in Antioch. Scripture depicts the early church as truly being diverse communities of faith where believing Jews and Gentiles walked and worked and worshiped God together. Furthermore, Revelation 7-9 paints a vivid picture of the multi-ethnic and multicultural and multilingual dimension of heaven where all God's people will stand before the throne of God and before the Lamb, which is Jesus. So here's the question. With these theological truths in mind, and, and if the kingdom of heaven is, is, is not segregated, then why are our churches segregated along racial and socioeconomic lines? Well, here's the hard truth. Reconciliation is messy. It's messy. It's hard to live it out faithfully. And this is what I want to dig into in our time today. A messy reconciliation. 
And we see this messiness even as the, the, the church, the New Testament church, try to live out being this, this, this multi-ethnic community, having this unity in, their, in the midst of their diversity, that we see mess even in the early church's desire to pursue this idea of reconciliation. And there's a story in Acts chapter 10 where Peter is called to the Roman soldier, soldier's Cornelius's house. And historically, there's tensions that exist between Jews and Gentiles. Uh, Jews didn't eat with Gentiles for religious and cultural reasons. Both Gentiles and their food were considered unclean or unholy. And to fellowship with Gentiles over a meal would make Jews spiritually unclean before God. But one day, God shows Peter a vision of various unclean animals and commands him to eat. But Peter, he's kosher. And so he has reservations about this until God tells him, don't call something unclean if God has made it clean. God was merely teaching, God, I should say, God wasn't merely teaching Peter that he could eat any kind of food, but that he could eat with any kind of person. And this is what the kingdom of God reveals, that all people are equal before the Lord. Peter witnesses this when he, he's directed by God to go to Cornelius' home, and he shares the gospel with him, and he and his entire household believe the message of Jesus, receive the Holy Spirit, and are baptized. So in Acts chapter 10, verse 35, Peter says these words, I see very clearly, clearly that God shows no favoritism. In every nation, he accepts those who fear him and do what is right. This is a beautiful story of reconciliation. But our theme today is that reconciliation is messy. And so when we refer to our scripture text for today in Galatians chapter 2, Peter doesn't keep that same energy. As the scripture was read, Peter um, is, is opposed by Paul. They're Paul and Peter have a conflict because Peter demonstrated himself in a hypocritical way by not eating with the Gentiles from pressure from his Jewish brethren. He acquiesced to that cultural pressure. And, and I wonder, how does Peter go from baptizing uh, Gentiles, seeing the Holy Spirit come on Cornelius and his household, this beautiful picture of the gospel at work, crossing cultural barriers, but now we find in, in Galatians 2, Paul is, is calling him out, is, is confronting him about his hip, hypocrisy because he's no longer wanting to associate with them in this context. And so perhaps uh, they said in this, in this setting where Peter felt he didn't want to associate, perhaps uh, the, the Jewish Christians said, uh, of course we accept the Gentile Christians, Peter, but we need to maintain our Jewish identity. Sure, we're all equal, but we need to be separate but equal. And at the moment, because Peter feared the, the pressure from, from the Jews or a level of, of acceptance or possibly feeling he'd be alienated if he didn't uh, side with them, he again, he acquiesces to what is true about the gospel. 
And I don't want us to miss that this is Peter that we are referring to. Peter who walked with Jesus. Peter who was in the inner circle of Jesus. Peter who we, we start to see in Acts chapter 2 really embracing what it meant when, when God, or Christ I should say, makes the promise that upon uh, um, this rock, that being Peter, that Christ would build his church. Peter is now still struggling with this tension of, of being hypocritical around the treatment of his Gentile brothers and sisters. Instead of upholding the culture of the kingdom, which Peter was formed in and trained in and taught in by Christ himself, one that stresses justice and salvation for all nations and unity and impartiality and diversity and a multi-ethnicness, instead of upholding that in this moment, moment, Peter reverted to his earthly culture one of superiority or uniformity or prejudice or just focusing on monolithic or a homogeneous kind of community environment. And this lets me know that reconciliation is a messy endeavor. <laughs> it is. See, Peter suffered with from what we all suffer with is that he was biased. He was biased, and like Peter, we are also biased. We have these unintended, subtle, and unconscious thoughts that happen to most of us most of the time. These attitudes and stereotypes based on characteristics such as race or age or ethnicity or, or religion or appearance. Biases are those ingrained kind of habits or mind bugs, those unconscious thoughts that lead to error and how we perceive, remember, reason, and make decisions. We're also raised in cultures that have a certain set of assumptions about the world. Also, similar to the historical tensions between Jews and Gentiles, there are also historical tensions that exist between people groups in our community, in Nova Scotia, in the Maritimes. Uh, tensions between African Nova Scotian people and, and the white majority, also tensions between indigenous people and, and others. Uh, settlers of Canada, uh, tensions between English-speaking people and French-speaking people, tensions between uh, immigrants and, and those of us who, who call Canada our whole life. And so these, these, these uh, more contemporary historical tensions also exist between people groups. And as a consequence, there have been historical mistrust between these groups. Also, just in our own individual practice, if we don't have many associations with others who are different from us, then it's really easy to develop attitudes and assumptions about one another. Uh, for example, even myself, uh, I remember taking my children to school, I think uh, two years ago, I get lost with time since COVID happened, but um, I was taking my children to school, I took them to the door and I, I held the door for a, a Muslim woman who was doing the same thing, taking her children to school. And she had a full covering on her face. And, and I try to show kind of that maritime hospitality and friendliness. And so I held the door and was like, hey, how's it going? And, and she totally blew me off. Like, like I didn't even exist. And, and as I was kind of reflecting on this awkward, almost embarrassing interaction, I was like, you know, what's, what's up with, you know, her? She didn't, she, didn't, she didn't like the friendliness that I was offering. But I learned after the fact that um, Muslim women often just don't have public interactions with, with men. And so what I assumed was her uh, unwillingness to embrace my maritime friendliness was actually a, a, a bias and an assumption that I was making about her. 
Now, having a bias is not inherently bad, but like Peter, when those biases go unchecked, we can end up reverting back to our earthly culture where biases actually become ammunition for discrimination against people who are culturally or racially different from us. And when we allow sinful attitudes and actions to shape how we treat others, we end up rebuilding the very walls or barriers that Christ died to tear down. That's good preaching right there. We actually end up rebuilding the walls that Christ has torn down. See, just because we are saved, if we are followers of Jesus and we seek to be like him and imitate him and to be his ambassadors, doesn't mean that we don't have these biases. We see that in Peter's life in this situation. And these biases can lead to, to prejudices or bigotry or racial assumptions and attitudes or even behaviors that we live out. So how do we deal with this tension? How, how, do, how can we as the, the body of Christ, as the community of ADC, as pastors and leaders and professors and theologians, how, how do we live out reconciliation more faithfully? How do we teach this to our congregations? Well, here it is. It's real simple. We have to address the mess. I just got my Lennon Anderson on right there. We have to address the mess. Just type that in the chat. Uh, if you're actually in chapel and you want to be interactive, uh, you just, just type that. Address the mess. We must confront the problem of our biases becoming attitudes that are unhelpful for interaction between people who are different. This is what we see happens with Paul's kind of approach and in, in interaction with Peter. He confronts him. He, the, the, the passage said he opposes, Paul opposes Peter. He, he uses very strong words in his rebuke of Peter. He, he confronts him for his hypocrisy. Listen to that. Uh, if I could give you the MIV translation, the Matthew International Version, Paul's telling Peter, you're fake, bro. <laughs> you're fake. You're, you're not being sincere to the gospel that we believe in. See, hypocrisy is this idea of pretending to have two faces, to have two tongues, to, to be two people, or to have two hearts. See, what Peter's biases communicated, this is, this is really important, what it communicated is that in order, to fellow, in order to fellowship with Jewish Christians, Gentiles had to assimilate to Jewish culture, and in this case, it was around food laws and circumcision. So this thinking then implied that the gospel hadn't actually worked, and that unity and right relationship with God is only achieved by keeping the law, but if we are good biblical scholars, we know that that is not the gospel. That's actually legalism, and legalism often leads to hypocrisy, which undermines the gospel's power to produce unity. And this hypocrisy, listen to this, I believe, historically has caused the church to be complicit at the best case and at the worst case, an active participant in the subjugation and mistreatment of other ethnic groups, particularly African and indigenous peoples in this continent. 
This hypocrisy is what produces the, the sin of cultural or racial superiority where one racial group dominates and everyone else must assimilate to that dominant culture to belong. That's not unity, that's uniformity. But in kingdom culture, listen, our ethnic identities are a part of God's creation. They're a part of the mosaic, the beauty of creation in our, in our ethnic and cultural difference. And so therefore there's space for our diversity to be expressed and to be celebrated. And so that's why I can be unapologetically African Nova Scotian and also unashamedly Christian. I can be both. And ADC, we want to be part of churches that sees and celebrates the diversity of God's people. We want to be a seminary that does so also. We want this to be a, a multi-ethnic community where many influences and expressions shape how we walk and work and worship God together rather than one dominant culture everyone must assimilate to. I, I love this quote by Kathy uh, Litton. She says, until our Friday and Saturday nights become truly multi-ethnic, where we engage in people outside of just the church context that are different from us. She says, our Sunday mornings will never be. Until our Friday and Saturday nights become truly multi-ethnic, our Sunday mornings will never be. And here's the bottom line. Culture superiority leads people away from the gospel, not towards it. The text says believers were led astray by Peter's hypocrisy. Don't miss that, including Barnabas. People were led astray because discrimination based on cultural or, or racial superiority goes in direct opposition to the good news of Jesus Christ. How can we say we're one in Christ how can we be known by our love for God and neighbor, yet hold the same racial attitudes our culture does? It's hypocritical. It's a contradiction. And, and, and I want to, sometimes these issues of, of racial reconciliation, you know, it ends up become, becoming polarizing and political and, and often unhelpful to the body of Christ. And, and I just, I, I recognize that that might even be someone's interpretation now, but, but this is not about trying to be more, more woke or enlightened. This is really about having an effective witness in our world. This is not about wokeness, it's about our witness. This is not about just a diversity seminar or a cultural assessment. This is about our discipleship growing out of the attitudes and actions of this world and into the culture of the kingdom of God. And according to Paul in this passage, one of the ways we can do that is by calling it out. Calling it out. Paul opposes and confronts Peter. He calls out his hypocrisy. He calls out his inconsistency. He says, I said to Peter in front of all the others, and so that is our invitation as brothers and sisters to call out our biases, to, to take ownership of those things that don't reflect Christ's character as it relates to our assumptions about people who are different than us. Not to cancel each other, but to call each other out in grace and truth. We need to call out racial hypocrisy in ourselves and one another. We must take ownership 
of the biases that we have. We all have them. There's no point in pretending or denying or being ignorant of. We wouldn't sit there and say we don't sin anymore where we recognize it's an ongoing formation and sanctification and, and God refining us out of our, our, our bigotry and our prejudice and those biases that lead to those attitudes is an ongoing process. And so let's just take ownership of our stuff. Let's own our racism. Let's own our bigotry. Let's own it. That's where we need to start and confronting. Call it out. Call it out in yourself. Call it out in those you're in community with. Another just really practical way is, is look at your life and, and, and honestly ask yourself. I know sometimes this is harder depending on where you are in, in the province. You know, a lot of communities are, are not super diverse. In Halifax, where I am, kind of HRM area, there's no excuse because as a matter of fact, a lot of the nations are coming to this city and it's a growing, becoming more and more diverse. And so there's no reason for us not to be intentional of trying to build relationships with people who are different from us. There's so much you can learn about who you are and how you think, but also understanding how who other people are and how they think by just forming relationships and being intentional about, you know, looking at your friends list and looking at your family. And is there, is there people that actually have a different perspective or a different upbringing or a different culture or expression that I can be in relationship and learn from and they learn from me? It's a mutual relational you know, dialogue back and forth where learning happens, but it's so effective of helping you see just your ignorance but also having a safe place to hopefully have those conversations without fear of, you know, being labeled as something. A, a great kind of story of this to tie it all together, and I'm going to close with this. Uh, a number of years ago, I was involved in Title Impact uh, when I was a youth pastor. And uh, this is just, if you're not familiar with Title Impact, it's a week-long um, missions experience where uh, um, churches kind of combined forces, usually it's churches from New, New Brunswick partnering with churches in Nova Scotia or vice versa. And they do a week long missions, different missions projects, you know, BBS for kids or helping seniors or what have you. And so we partnered with a church from New Brunswick who's predominantly uh, white. And we, the youth group that I led was predominantly uh, African Nova Scotian, black, black kids or students, I should say. And we were uh, preparing to go out and do our afternoon, afternoon uh, mission activities and serving the community. And one of the volunteers from the church we were partnering with, he came up to me and he started sharing his story. He was like, Matthew, I'll be honest with you. I grew up with a lot of racial prejudice against uh, Black people. He was very honest. He was like, my, um, my mother cheated on my father with uh, an African student that she was in uh, that she knew and, and as a result of him kind of not just being mad with that individual he began to kind of have a, a assumption and, and, a, and a dislike for all people of, of African descent and have that pigmentation and he, he developed this prejudice and and I don't know if hate if it was go as far as hatred I don't think he used that language but it was a deep um, resentment that he had towards black people and so he's now in a context as we're partnering together for Title Impact, where he's around all these black students and, and God was starting to do a work within him. And he started to confront his own bigotry and bias within himself. And so he just started telling me this story. But he also the cool part of the story is that he also shared that God was doing something and changing him that as he was around these students, 
he started to shift his perspective of, of kind of his assumptions that he made as a result of his experience with his kids or his, with his family, his mother and, and father. And so we had that discussion. And then, and then he actually shared his testimony to all of us who were gathered there before we went out and served one day. And it was just amazing, reconciling, transformative testimony that was shared where everybody was moved with compassion and understanding and empathy and just unity that was just kind of cemented by that sharing, but also just the work of, of this brother confronting his bias, but also doing that in the context of being in relationships with people that were different. And I think this is a, a cool picture of how we can address the mess of our biases that often get in the way of seeing true reconciliation along racial and socioeconomic lines. Because the truth is, is that reconciliation is messy, but we must address it. Rather than being hypocritical, let's own our biases and by acknowledging they exist. And in doing so, we can begin the journey of living out reconciliation more faithfully as brothers and sisters in Christ. And in doing so, the world will see Christ more and believe. Amen.